0: Welcome to the Metro Church Podcast. We hope you will be blessed by this message. For more information about Metro Church, visit our website at metrochurch.org.au Well, this morning I want to start this month's series of thankful. And I want to begin by reading to you Psalm 100, verse 1 through to 5. It starts off like this. It says, Make a joyful shout to the Lord, all you lands. Serve the Lord with gladness. Now there's a thought. Come before His presence with singing. Know that the Lord, He's God. It's He who made us, not we ourselves. We are His people and the sheep of His pasture. Enter into His gates with thanksgiving. And into his courts with praise, watch this, be thankful to him and bless his name for the Lord is good. His mercy is everlasting and his truth endures to all generations. Most of us grow up with the concept of being thankful as though somehow or other it's the nice thing to do, it's the right thing to do. How many of you here either as a child remember a parent saying to you as they handed you something but held on to it and then waited for you to say, what's the magic word? Or perhaps they said it differently, what do you say, dear? How many of you here can remember a parent saying to you after you got given something, what do you say? I don't know. You say, thank you. Oh, and so we can grow up with the idea that somehow rather, thankful and thankfulness is simply that. It's almost like we're being polite to God or we're being polite to the people that have helped us. But the Bible speaks of thankfulness as a foundation for life. Do you know over 100 times in the Bible, it tells you to be thankful. That's an awful lot. That's two times at least every week. You can find a verse that speaks about being thankful in your heart. And Psalm 100 that we just read is simply one example. It speaks of the impact of thankfulness on our serving, on our perspective of God's goodness, on our perspective of our journey in life. It says, be thankful. So thankful is far more than simply being polite to God. It's a spiritual principle that acts as a foundation for life. Now, great thankfulness comes from a deep awareness of what's been done for us. In Luke's Gospel, chapter 7, verse 47, where a woman comes and bows down and, and washes Jesus' feet with her tears, dries His feet then, with her hair and everybody around about is horrified. Such an extravagant, such an inappropriate display, they think. But then Jesus stops and says to the religious leader in whose home he is, and he says, Simon, I came in here, you didn't wash my feet, you didn't give me a towel to dry my feet, but since I came in, this woman has not ceased to to wash my feet and to dry them. And then he speaks about uh, an amazing sentence. Listen to it. Jesus said, he or she that is forgiven little, loves little. The truth is that whatever value you place on something determines how thankful you are. When you and I can walk past a gift and just go, oh, whatever, When you and I can receive some help and not feel thankful for it, it says not something about the gift, but it does say something about the value I put on it. Now, it's very easy for our focus as Christians to be on what hasn't happened that we want to. You know, everybody here will have unanswered prayers. If you haven't, come see me after I will give you some you can be praying for. Because as I've said before, I don't have one or two unanswered prayers. I have hundreds of them. There are people that I'm praying for. There are situations I want to see reversed. There are opportunities that I'm wanting the right person to appear to to step into that role. There are buildings to find and there are ministries to be birthed. And so when it comes to prayer, it's so easy. Or it's so easy simply to read your paper and watch the news and to see the level of brokenness that's in our world. I've got friends of mine and it's almost like the conversation goes like this. Oh, the world's going to hell in a handbasket. You know, so every single week, every single day, we see more evidence of man's inhumanity to man and of the brokenness that exists in our world, of the rise of, of these kinds of crimes or these kinds of issues. And it's easy for our focus to get locked onto what hasn't happened or on how broken the world is. But this morning for a minute, can I ask you, can I implore you to bring your mind out of that space, out of your business And the struggle that maybe you're having or the success you're having. Out of your family and the children maybe you're concerned about. Or the grandkids or the parents. Out of the things of your own health or out of your own needs. Can I ask you for a minute to pull your attention away from that. And can I remind you that there once was a man on a cross. He paid the price for your sin and mine so that I could escape its tyranny. He went to hell so that you and I didn't have to go there. He became sin so I could become free of sin. I am so glad this morning. I am so excited, so blessed so moved by the realisation that I have a saviour. See, Christianity is not a self-help club. It's not even a we help others club. We are not a not-for-profit. We are not some kind of gathering of like-minded people that happen to believe. But we are people that have personally we are people that have, at some point in time, we have encountered the Savior who hung on the cross. We know the reality of His death there for us when we had nothing to recommend to us, when there was nothing we had done to deserve it. But there was a man who, who was cruelly crucified. He went there of his own volition. He went there saying, I'm going to save this world from its sin. And so this man who hung there at that moment in time that divides all of human history, that man who hung there is the saviour of the world. We have nothing else to bring the world in which we live. We can bring our good intentions. We can bring our effort. We can bring our finance, our resources we can bring the love that may be in our heart but it'll never be enough without the the bringing of the savior. I, I want to say so clearly to you this morning that this church and thousands and hundreds of thousands of churches like it we celebrate the savior who died for all of us, everything we are, everything you'd see, everything you would congratulate us for, everything you'd applaud, everything you would would say well done to us for, we would say to you, turn with us, look at the cross, because that's who, and that's why we do everything we do. Because of him. The person aware of this sacrifice will have little trouble making the small sacrifices asked of them. The person who knows what they're saved from will have little difficulty accepting the call to be a part of what they're saved for. I said to the staff this week, so often my experience has been that we come to Christ and we embrace the Saviour, we get saved. It's an old-fashioned word, but it means you get saved. It means that your life changes. It means that the direction you are going down changes towards going up. In exactly the same way that if you were drowning out in the ocean and the lifesaver came and saved you, everything about your life And the potential future changes at that moment. Why? Not because of you. They don't ask you, are you a good person? When did you last give to the poor? When did you last do a good deed? Are you wanted for any crime? Is there anything you shouldn't have done? They simply go out. Why? Because they are there to save. And I want to tell you this morning, the Saviour who hung on the cross is still going out amongst Perth amongst manja, amongst Newman, amongst Western Australia and this nation and around the world. He's looking to seek and to save that which is lost. Why? Because he's a saviour. That's why. That's who he is. That's what he does. We aren't trying to push religion on anyone. We aren't trying to convince. This is not an intellectual debate. This is not where we prove historically where we get our apologetics manual out and begin to demonstrate. I read only in the paper again this week that they found physical evidence of the reality of Goliath. Who knew? Apparently somebody did. Think about this a minute. God knows where all the answers are hidden that man is still looking for. And so this is not what that's about. Purely and simply, we have nothing to offer, but it is enough to say if you will come to the Saviour, you'll be saved. If you will surrender your life to the one who hung on the cross for you, your life will be changed and your life will be better and your life will certainly grow and your life will certainly be blessed and your life will certainly show your joy, your happiness, your peace. But see, that's, it's more than that. It's that God wanted you. God went looking for you. When you were too busy to look for Him, He went looking for you. God, the Savior, hanging on a cross. 1 John chapter 4 and verse 19 says this, we love Him because He first loved us. The truth is that my goodness is a very shallow pool. Easily exhausted by others' demands. Ain't that the truth? Come on, be honest with me this morning. Anybody here ever got exasperated with someone you were trying to help? Come on, lift the hand up. Be honest in the house of God. That's every hand in the building, I'm sure. Huh? You've had somebody you're just trying to bless and they just, you know, they're so, you just want to, you say, Lord, can I just lay hands on them? Quick one, two, lead with the left. (laughs) What about anybody else here? I I don't feel like my goodness is what qualifies me to lead. Truth is, my goodness is a shallow pool. But his grace has no limits. My patience, my compassion are quickly used up. But his riches are are unsearchable, Ephesians says. And today, I want us to stop in the midst of everything that's going on in your world. And on this first day of thankful, I want to stop and say, apart from every great and good thing that God ever has done that you want Him to do, can we just pause for a minute and just say, Lord, I'm just glad that you found me. I wasn't looking for you. I was a lost sheep. You know, in the parable of the lost sheep, the sheep's not trying to find its way home. The lost sheep's just lost. And lost sheep, well, they're pretty stupid, really. There's nothing smart about them. They're not, they haven't got a map or a compass. They haven't worked out how to Google Maps, how to press recently left location. Nothing like that. They simply are lost and yet the shepherd goes looking for them. The truth is that our thanks and our worship is the natural response of a believer to Christ's gift. We don't need to be whipped up, pushed into it. Worship is the natural overflow. Because it was God's love that took Jesus to the cross. Read the scriptures. No civil authority made him go. Pilate said, don't you know what I can do? Jesus said, you've got no power. That freaked him out. Why did Jesus say that? Not to put Pilate in its place. He said that so that you would know. He never went there because the government said he had to. He never went there because the religious leaders had gathered their guards. They had their own private army. And had arrested him in the garden. And had marched him down to the praetorium. They'd they'd put him there and set him up for a a kangaroo court, a show trial. They'd already decided what the verdict was going to be and what the sentence was going to be. No, it wasn't the civil leader and it wasn't the religious leader. None of those could force him there. And the truth is no nails could have held him there. The only thing that put him there was his love for us. And here's the great news. My brokenness did not stop his love. Come on this morning. The older I get, and whether it's an older thing or or just a Holy Spirit thing, I can't tell you. But as I said to the staff, sometimes we we begin having embraced the Saviour And then we start acting like we no longer need saving. Now we've got it. We know how to pray and we know how to read the word and we know how to do communion and we know the songs. Well, we think we know until there aren't any words. (laughs) And we do all of that, but the reality is I needed a saviour when I was 19. Well, I needed him all every day before then. But that was the day I recognised it. I needed a saviour then, but do you know, nowhere along the way have I stopped needing a saviour. And here's the great news. Jesus has never stopped being the saviour. He's still your saviour today. What are you facing this morning in life? What are the things that you are asking God to help as though He's somewhere or other out there What are the things that you need to stop and say, Jesus, I just need you to save me. You're still the saviour. I love the stories of the disciples. I love how when Peter tries to walk on the water and does successfully, but then begins to sink. I love the fact that it says that immediately Jesus stretched forth his hand and took him. Jesus wasn't running all the way ahead. He wasn't standing off to the side, arms folded, watching. But rather Jesus, Jesus was right there, right beside him in his walk in difficulty, in his walk of impossibility. The Saviour was there. Can I say to you this morning, the Saviour is with you. Come on. He's with you today in your impossibility. The Saviour is there. He, You know, don't think, well, if only I could do this and if I promise God this and if I tell. You don't need any of that because there's a Saviour who saves and he's right there and he'll be right there beside you. My brokenness did not prevent his love. It was my brokenness that prompted his love for my life and for yours. What a powerful thing. Ephesians chapter 1. Let me read it to you out of the message version of the Bible. It says it like this. It's got such a beautiful poetry and energy about, listen, that's why when I heard of the solid trust you have in the master Jesus, and your outpouring of love to all the Christians, watch how many times in this passage thanks will come up. I couldn't stop thanking God for you. Every time I prayed, I'd think of you and give thanks. I want to be a Christian like that. I want to be a Christian. Every time somebody thinks about me, they go, thank God for him. Thank God. Amen. But I do more than thank. I ask Ask the God of our Master Jesus Christ, the God of glory, to make you intelligent and discerning in knowing Him personally, your eyes focused and clear, so you can see exactly what He's calling you to do. Grasp the, what's this, the, immense, um, the immensity of this glorious way of life He has for Christians. Oh, the utter extravagance of His work in us who trust Him. Endless energy... Boundless strength. All this energy issues from Christ. God raised him from death, set him on a throne in deep heaven in charge of running the universe. Everything from galaxies to governments, no name and no power exempt from his rule. And not just for the time being, but forever. He's in charge of it all. He has the final word on everything. At the center of all this, Christ rules the church. The church, you see, is not peripheral to the world. The world is peripheral to the church. The church is Christ's body in which he speaks and acts, by which he fills everything with his presence. What an amazing, what an amazing salvation. What an incredible gift God has given you. I've said it so many times over the years of this church. I've said to you that your worst day as a believer is better than your best day as a non-believer. That there's something. Come on, there's something. I'm speaking to you here that are going through a difficult time. And you wonder if God's forgotten your address or even your name. And your prayers seem to go no further. They fall like droplets on the floor beside you. You're not sure that the heavenly phone call setter is receiving anything from you. You feel like nothing. You come to church and maybe are not aware of the presence of God. But can I say to you this morning that the gift of salvation that God has put into your life is so immense and so glorious that every difficulty you will ever encounter, every obstacle you will ever face, every mountain you'll have to climb and every valley you'll ever go through will simply pale in comparison to the day when we stand before Jesus and go, so that's what it was all about. That's what, but you know what, I don't want to die and go, oh heck, I could have. I don't want to get to heaven and go, oh, heck, if I'd known this. That's why Paul says, you know, I'm doing more than thanking God for you. He says, I'm asking God that he'll reveal Christ personally to you. Amen. Uh, I'm sure I'm not the only one here. I just think, oh, for weeks and months now, I've been thinking about the Saviour who saves. I've been thinking about, I got saved. I thank God I was 19. I got saved. It's a long while ago. But can I tell you, I got saved last week. And I got saved the week before and the week before, not because I went forward in a church, not because I lifted my hand or I prayed a prayer. I did that when I was 19 and he said, I'll never leave you and I'll never forsake you. But the Savior who saves is still saving. Come on. He wants to save you. I know somebody said to you, oh, look, you might as well give up. I know they said that there's no answer for where you are, and nobody, and you know, and the best counselor wouldn't be able to fix that. I know they've told you all that, but can I ask you this morning to say there's a Savior who says? Can I ask you this morning to lift up your eyes and remember that there was a cross where a man who never had to go there went there with you on his mind because he said, as he prayed in the garden, he said, I'm not praying just for these that are in front. I'm praying for everyone that will believe. Down through all the moments of history and the generations. My father that believed. My grandfather who came to Christ literally on his deathbed. And as it went down through the generations and the generations... All the way back somewhere along the way there's history for you. And there's moments for you. And you are another player in God's great plan of what he wants to do in the earth. You and I are a part of something extraordinary. And the message of hope. And the message of grace. And the message of salvation from a saviour is incredible. So. Thankful is a lot more than being polite. Thankful is an awareness of what God does and who He is, who He wants to be in your life. But you know, there's some very practical outworkings to thankful. Number one, thankful is the foundation of strength. It says there, we just read it in Ephesians 1. It talks about the energy, all this energy issues from Christ, endless energy Boundless strength. You know, it's becoming... Or I read another one a week ago in the paper uh, where they're talking again about how thankful people heal faster. It's like... And that's they're not saying thankful Christians; They're just saying thankful people. Just no matter who you are. The reality is that thankful is the foundation of strength in your life. The opposites of thankfulness are complaining and criticism. And I guarantee that if you let the enemy focus your attention onto the negatives in your life, your attention onto what's wrong, who's at fault, why me, you never feel like, I just really feel like going out and mowing the lawn. I really feel like going out and digging that trench. I feel like running 10Ks. What do you feel like? You feel like curling up in front of the television, sucking your thumb and watching reruns. Huh? Ain't that the truth? Or has nobody else ever been like that? Huh? Nobody knows the troubles I've seen. Just watch the energy level here. Nobody knows my sorrow. (laughs) All you want to do is just go, oh God, let me out of here. Have you ever listened to a preacher who was telling you everything was wrong with the universe and you felt like, stop me, stop me? I, I want to go to Jesus now. I've got some friends of mine who always tell me everything that's wrong with the universe. Everything they read in the paper, God bless the paper. But everything they read in the paper, watch the news. This happened, that happened, I'm going. And you know, no, if I say, what do you want to do? Oh, just, I'm just praying for Thursday. So why Thursday? Because Jesus is coming back on a Thursday. (laughs) I've no idea what day. They don't either. The reality is, though, that you'll start feeling tired, lethargic and weak. Physically, being thankful will add strength to your life. Spiritually, it's exactly the same. Romans 4 verse 20 says about Abraham. He didn't waver at the promise of God through unbelief, was strengthened in faith, giving glory to God. Strength came as he began to give glory to God. Philemon, verse 6, says that the communication of your faith might become effective by the acknowledging of every good thing that's in you in Christ. Come on, some of you here, do yourself a favor, get up in the morning, look in the mirror and go, you are an awesome man of God. Now don't say that if you're a woman because that'll just confuse things. But seriously, some of you, You'd be a, a, a lot better off getting out of bed in the morning saying, God, I'm so grateful for my life. Not, oh, Lord. Go on, it's morning again. I'm so tired, I Hardly Slept long, Didn't know whether to change the flannelette sheets to cotton. Sure, if I do it, there'll come a cold snap. So i leave them on. Oh, God, I'm chucking the blankets off all night. I'll put them back on. How many people don't even know what flannelette sheets are? <laughs> How many of you think flannelette is only what bogans wear? <laughs> Get out of bed like that and say, Oh God, you know, like all those sayings, life doesn't start till coffee. Really? Whew. Hope you don't go somewhere where the only thing available is water. The truth is that thankful is the foundation of strength. I I, I dare you to practice being thankful first thing in the morning. Birdcage breath and all. Oh, what a beautiful morning. Shut up. It's like those people who say, have a good day. Don't tell me what kind of day to have. Secondly, there's a whole bunch of these. That's why it's part one, part two tonight. Faithful is the foundation for hope. Psalm 42, verse 11. Why am I discouraged? Why is my heart so sad? I will put my hope in God. I'll praise Him. My Saviour, and my God. I'll praise Him again. There was a season some years ago where I was helping just seemed like so many people who had experienced emotional breakdowns. Out of just nowhere, Just they seemed like they found my name and turned up. And, and I'd love to tell you that I've got vast training in the social sciences and in mental health, but I don't. But I've read a really good mental health book. And I, so I said to them, knowing this principle, I said, I've got an exercise for you. Every night before you go to sleep, last thing to do, I want you to put your head on the pillow. That's how you go to sleep. Put your head on the pillow and I want you to thank God in your mind for three things that happened that day. Find three things that went well. Three, they don't have to be great things. You won lotto, you know, you got given a new car and not three things that never went wrong. My house didn't burn down. Just find three things. I got that phone call. You know, I had a good lunch. doesn't matter what it is. And I said, and then the last thing you do is find something to look forward to tomorrow. And I always tell them, I don't care if it's something silly. I'm going to go and have a gelato. Mango. The mangoes that have been sent to me will probably arrive tomorrow. That's something great to look for. Amen. Mangoes are coming back into the supermarkets. That's a blessing. Have something to look forward to. You know, I was amazed years and years later to read in a book about helping people exactly what I've been saying for years and they're going, this is a method that helps people get out of a deep, dark hole that they've been in. And I ask them to do that and obviously they don't feel like it but the reality is that we've become so accustomed to linking feelings with spirituality and acting as though feelings are the pinnacle of life and they're the measure of how I'm doing. If I feel insecure, I am. No, you're not. You're just feeling insecure. Well, if I feel unworthy, I must be. No, you can just feel unworthy. Well, if I fear fearful, I can't do it. I oh, know you can. Lots of people have. But emotions are not the engine of my life. The, they're the trailer of my life. They follow. Now watch this in Psalm 118. I'm going to finish with this scripture, or maybe another one. Psalm 118, verse one. Let's watch this. Oh, can we all read it? There it is. Psalm 118, verse one. Everyone say, oh. "Oh, oh." That's not uh oh. It's oh. Oh, give thanks. To the Lord for his good, for his mercy endures forever. Show me where in that verse, hold it up there, show me where in that verse it says, when you feel moved, when the Spirit leads, when the anointing. Woo. Show me where in that verse it says anything about how you feel that day. It doesn't say, when you're on the mountaintop, oh, give thanks with a grateful heart. Give thanks. Can you play that on the flute, Alan? To the Holy One. Give thanks. Michael Partha, can you play that on the keys? You'd give it a go. I haven't got time. <laughs> See, nowhere in that scripture to say anything about how you feel, it just says give. This is $20. I'm not emotionally attached to this $20. I got it in change today when I bought a coffee and a skinny chai for my wife on the way to church. I know, I'm just that kind of guy, really. Did you say thank you? Just checking. And I I don't feel anything about this 20 bucks. And if you ask me how I feel right now, I don't feel ecstatic. Not right now. Should I? I don't know. I don't feel like anything. I'm not even sure. I don't even bother checking most of the time because who cares? I'm here. I'm doing what I'm going to do. I'm here when I'm doing what I'm called to do. I don't know how I feel. Who cares how I feel? I might feel tired. Too bad. I'm here. I might, I might, I might feel downcast. Must be time to go fishing when you feel downcast. No. Uh, <laughs> it's a dad joke. Forget it. But you know what? what do, I need, do I need to feel compassion? Do I need to feel moved? Ooh, what was that? I just felt led to give away this $20. How many people are feeling something right now? (laughs) Huh? So, I don't have to feel anything. Psalm 118 verse 1 doesn't say, if you feel like it. Three stripes life. Uh -uh. I have no idea what that means. I don't feel anything about it. I'm just, I just got it, really. I just got it. The accountant put her hand up for the 20 bucks. She's not an accountant, she's an auditor. She knows the value of And even though I, see, I look at it and I go, her and her husband are auditors and they're wealthy. Terribly wealthy. Probably. Plan to buy a Rolls Royce next week. I don't know. Or maybe maybe they've just got a V-Dub Beetle and it's just clunking its well. I have no idea. Doesn't matter. See, I can just go there again. No, 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 brother. You didn't stick your hand up. You don't get it. You asked her to do it. Did you? You cheapskate. There you are. That's for you. Don't give him any of it. You just take it out and spend all you want. Now, I still don't feel anything about it. I just gave away 20 bucks. I don't feel anything. Who who would like to come back to the service tonight? (laughs) Who wants to pray for inflation to hit? Will there be a 50 in tonight's service? I might be there. Come team. See, the reality is that we've been taught so much that it's about how you feel. Hebrews 13 verse 15 says this. It says, Offer the sacrifice of praise. Just do it. Give thanks regardless. Make a habit. Make a habit of giving thanks in your life. I want to challenge you in this first Sunday, in this first service about being thankful. I want to challenge you to start making a habit of it. Not just to the people around about you, though. they'll probably be glad if you do. But towards God. God, I'm grateful for that. Thank you for that. So often what we bring to God is our shopping list of everything we want. Rather than saying, God, I just want to start by saying thank you. There was a Savior. And He hung on a cross. And He did it before you deserved it. He did it despite the fact you'll never deserve it. But He did it for you anyway. That's where our worship comes from. Come on, let's stand together in Jesus' name. Let's. Lift our hearts and our hands toward God. Just say, Lord, we're so grateful for everything that you do. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for today. Thank you for our friends in Mandurah, in Newman. Lord, people watching wherever they are. And Lord, some of those people somewhere will be really in a difficult spot. The doctors aren't sure. The business has gone through a difficult time. Personally, they've got issues. But Father we want to be thankful anyway we want to give thanks we're not repaying thanks it's not a response we give thanks we thank you for that in jesus mighty name in jesus name oh what a savior isn't he wonderful can we sing that together is that uh i'm not i'm not sure what we've been playing or but i want to sing that oh what a savior isn't he wonderful Can we just pause a minute? We've got time for this. Pause a minute where you are. If you are not a Christian, you can become one. Becoming a Christian doesn't require filling out a form to join the church. It's not a church role that you need to put your name to. It's the sacrifice of Jesus that you need to put your name to. You need to say, Jesus, include me. Here in this place, so many ways people are doing that many services we ask people just to lift their hand and we pray for them right where they are other times we can say go visit the yes table so many people profoundly encountering Christ through the yes text I'll talk about that in a minute let's see the other side. come on worship Him with me this morning here we go